seems to me at least we have some pretty fitting readings this morning. It just happened to be the case that we get this reading from St. Paul who has spent three years in Ephesus and he's telling the community farewell. And Jesus is in John chapter 17 and he's also giving his disciples a farewell. I was telling Father Dindo a couple weeks ago with when we were talking about this Mass and the upcoming Masses, particularly your 8th grade class of, I, of who's going to take this Mass. And of course, Father Dindo will have the graduation. He'll be preaching to you. And I said, you better let me have this Mass then. I think just the way the schedule had fallen this past year as Father Dindo and I rotated back and forth, Maybe I had you very early on, but I think most of the time I hit seventh grade. I don't know if I actually had mass in here with, with the eighth grade class, maybe once. Paul's words here at the end, one of the reasons why I told Father Dent, you better let me have this mass, is because Paul is saying here, actually we heard it in yesterday's first reading, but Paul is saying that these people, he's just being very blunt, he's saying, I'm never going to see your face again. As you all graduate, hopefully you keep roots here at St. Mary's with regards to coming here on Sunday Mass, but I'm leaving as well. So, there's a good chance that for most of you, I will never see your face again. And so because of that, I know oftentimes I try to plan the homily around preaching to even eighth graders all the way down to the little ones, the kindergartners. Not today. Today's just for you. Sorry for the teachers in the younger classrooms if this is a little bit longer as well because I've got three things to say. Being chosen, being a leader, and always having a home. First being chosen with these readings here and thinking of this Mass, I was reminded of a video that I saw probably, I think, a year and a half ago now or two years ago, and it was a video of Christmas time, a little 11-year-old boy. And the shot begins with the 11-year-old boy sitting in the middle of a living room floor, and he's sitting there, crisscross, crisscross, whatever we call it now, crisscross applesauce sitting there in the middle of the floor and there's wrappers and presents all over the place, the boxes, and around him is this big family, but he's in the middle. But as the video goes on, you come to learn that the, all those around him, they're not his family. See, that 11-year-old boy didn't have a family. He had a very troubled upbringing, turbulent home, to the point where actually he was a foster child from I think four years old, where he bounced around from foster home to foster home to foster home. And as he's sitting there, crisscross, on the middle of the floor, this 11-year-old boy, you come to learn that's one more present. Someone comes in the scene, gives him one more present, and as he begins to open it, he takes the wrappers off, he takes the tissue paper out, and then you end up seeing that it's a pictured frame. And the pictured frame are the family members that are surrounding him. The 
the mom, the dad, the six kids, and there's a note attached. And as the boy begins to read the note, about halfway through the note, you see his face just drop and his face just begins to crumble as he begins to weep, as he begins to realize what's happening. And the note says this, Carter, here is the most recent picture of our family. All of us would love for you to be in the next picture and for you to be part of our family. Would you like to be our son and brother? At this point, his face is just bawling as he's reading this letter. And you hear off the screen or off the camera the, the dad of the family kind of shout out saying, we're going to adopt you, little buddy. And he begins to cry more. And he just says, thank you so much. Then his mom comes into the scene. You see she kind of comes in and she just comes up from behind and just wraps her arms around this little boy. She whispers into his ear about 20, 30 seconds. She can't understand. The video doesn't pick up what, the, what it's saying. But she just whispers in, into this little boy's ear for 20, 30 seconds. And as she whispers into the ear, he just cries harder and harder and harder. You can imagine the mom is saying something like, you're not alone anymore. You're loved. You have a home. Why is this relevant today with Paul's farewell address to these people, to Jesus' farewell to his disciples, the thing that they want to get across is the fact that they're chosen. Jesus wants to tell his disciples the fact that they've been claimed, that they are known, that they are loved. Both Jesus and Paul then quickly, after emphasizing this fact, quickly then brings in reality of what is to come. Paul then says to keep watch. It's actually the very first thing we hear Paul say. As he's leaving, he says, keep watch over yourselves, he says. Why? I know that after my departure, Paul says, savage wolves will come among you. And they will come forward perverting the truth to draw the disciples away, to draw you away. There's no question you already know of the wolves. Maybe you can't name them very clearly, but you've already lived life long enough and eighth graders, you know you've got things that have been going on in your life already, things that press upon you, on your heart, on your shoulders. Some of you already carry some pretty heavy things with regards to home life and other things that have been done or have been in your life. And as you go off to high school, it's a promise that wolves will come. Paul is promising these people that wolves come, and specifically wolves that will try to pervert the truth, truth of which that you've gained over these years from your parents, Truths that you've gained here at St. Mary's of what is truth, perverting the truth that 
over and over again wolves and lies that say, you're not chosen. You're not loved. You don't have mission, purpose, and meaning in your life. So just go along with the flow with everything else and be content with being mediocre. And be content with not striving and pursuing truth and staying close to truth. The wolves are vicious with regards to perverting the truth. And Paul wants to make it clear to those that he loves, that he spent three years with, to say, be on guard and watch over yourselves so that you're not susceptible to the wolves. Which brings us to being leaders. You could say being saints as well, but I want to say being leaders here. Paul and Jesus are not just speaking just as anybody. He says, keep watch over yourselves and over the whole flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you overseers in which you tend the church of God that he acquired with his own blood. The world is in desperate need of leaders. Leaders that strive to truth, leaders that are, are men and women of discipline, of courage, and wisdom. You all have been extremely blessed to be here at St. Mary's. It's easy when we've been at a place for so long, it's easy to become kind of jaded and not realize that when we're in the moment. But I think you'll realize that more and more in the years ahead. You've been extremely blessed and what the Lord says over and over again to what much has been given, much is expected. And you're expected to be leaders. And a leader of which the world needs today is not a leader that strives for more fame, success, power, as, as good as those things are, and they are good, and we should, to some extent, strive for them. But what the world needs now are leaders that know truth. Jesus in the gospel says he's the truth. He's pleading to consecrate those that he loves to the truth. He's the truth. So a leader at the end of the day, the, of which the world needs, these leaders are leaders that dedicate their lives to Jesus Christ and to submit their lives to them, to him. And to say, Lord, my life is yours. There is no greater adventure. There is no greater call. There is no greater challenge in life than to dedicate your life to Christ and to try to conform your life to his. He went to the cross for you, for me. He endured sacrifice. He endured the pain, the trials, and he transcended it at the end of the day. He transcended it to the extent that you and I can have life. And Paul says, I commend you to God. I commend you to God as he leaves. And to the gracious word of his that can build you up. The world and the wolves want to tear you down. 
you know that already. You've experienced that already. But Jesus Christ builds you up. He must be your foundation. If anything else is your foundation other than him, it will crumble. Strive for money, strive for fame, strive for sex, fine. But if you do not, if you have them as your foundation, it will crumble. If you have that as your foundation and not Jesus Christ. And he goes on and says, the word that is, is that can build you up and give you the inheritance. Which brings us lastly, always a home. As I say these words, it'd be great to think that you all graduate maybe at this mass, at graduation, tonight before you go to, go to bed, you get on your knees, you submit your life to Jesus Christ. As you graduate, you go to high school, and you just have this steady progression of a life of a man or woman of greater virtue and a greater leader and to be a greater saint. It's great to think that that would happen. But that's not realistic. Because the wolves are fierce. And they do pervert the truth. And it happens every day. And sometimes we fall. Sometimes we fall hard. And so there'll be some of us here that after you graduate from St. Mary's and you're in high school, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, you go off to college, some of us will make some really, really bad decisions and make some pretty bad mistakes of which you will regret sorely and deeply. And some of us will wander far, far from him, far from home, far from the fact that you have been chosen. So hear this, and know this, that no matter how far you may wander, no matter how far the truth may have been distorted, no matter how many times you fall or how hard you fall, at whatever point that be, whether it's in high school, college, in your 20s, your 30s, I don't care if it's 80 years old on your deathbed, you can always turn back to him and come home. Always. Because he's always there with his arms open as a good father saying, come home. I want you back. Submit your life to Jesus Christ. Make him your firm foundation. And be a saint.